So hi, welcome to the Grown Ups Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... I'm Will from Creeper. And we have some, some questions to say about the upcoming album, Sanguivore. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? Thank you. Yeah, it's been really cool so far. It's only, obviously only two singles out just yet, and it comes out on Friday the 13th of October. So we've got a couple more months to go just yet, but it's been a wonderful uh, response so far. We did a couple of festivals. We did Download Festival and a Slam Dunk over here. Uh, and it's been brilliant. It's been a, a really exciting response so far. So I'm excited to get more into it, you know? Hell yeah. Well, Hell checked yeah. out the full album this morning. It's it's a, quite the trip. It's incredible. Absolutely. Thank you, you guys very much. nailed it. The opening track, not going to lie, it scared me a little bit when I saw it was nearly like 10 minutes long. But once I got into it, dude, fucking killer record. Genuinely so fucking good. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that, that first one's been uh, like, it's been it was quite a hard one to come to, you know, because we've been trying to do a big long one for a long time. But mm-hmm. every time we started writing it, it kind of, uh, it never quite worked out. And this time around, we finally got to do something. And I think it kind of, uh, we're kind of most happy with this one after, uh, after trial and error for so many years. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, so is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Yeah. So uh, sanguivore is uh, the, the Italian uh, word for a blood-sucking uh, animal. Um, and the idea was that uh, most people wouldn't know what it meant when you first heard it and that it would kind of force the, uh, the listener to interact with, with the album before you even listen to it. So by looking it up or having to go and, uh, and kind of have a to and fro with the record, you know, in kind of the way that when you listen to vinyl, uh, you had to go up and physically interact by flipping a record over. I think that's kind of an art that's kind of lost sometimes with this modern age of things. So having the, uh, the idea that the uh, album title itself involved you interacting with it was exciting for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, it sounds like a kingdom, like a world, you know, it sounds like something um, larger than life. Um, as far as the album art goes, um, that is by uh, an artist called Welder Wings and uh, they did this amazing job um, kind of realizing a character. I sent them a massive brief over, about uh, one of the protagonists of the album, uh, a character called Mercy. And it was about uh, a Renaissance-looking painting, mm-hmm. something that looked like it was timeless, that it already existed, uh, mm-hmm. and that it'd been there for years and years and years. Uh, and I was kind of referencing, at, you know, like the cover of Rumours by Fleetwood Mac or something like that, where it's like yeah. this larger than life, kind of like you kind of feel like you recognize it, it's a familiarity to it, uh, but, uh, but it's brand new as well. So, yeah, I'm glad you like it. Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell you, yeah. you guys nailed the aesthetic uh, on this oh, one. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for the album? Yeah, it was uh, it was written, it was kind of like a, our, a return to form for us. On our first record, we, we wrote very much just in, a, in, in, in rooms together. And on the, the, the second record, we wrote a lot of it in Los Angeles. So this time around, it's been a return to form in terms of like uh, us writing in a, just sitting in a room and doing it together over here in England. Um, some of it was written I live in this converted church and so some of it was written in this church and Tom Dalgetty who you might know who, who worked with uh, Ghost and the mm-hmm. Cult and the Damned uh, uh, Ramstein and lots of these acts uh, he also lives in a converted church so we wrote it into very old uh, converted churches here in England and mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's kind of added to the mystique of the record uh, and then when we went to record it we recorded it at Rockfield uh, which you guys might know is uh the same studio they recorded Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. uh, Iggy Pop, uh, mm-hmm. lots of very famous records there. So it's it's kind of um, been recorded and uh, written and recorded in, in some very um, historic buildings, should we say? Absolutely. 
And earlier you mentioned like they're one of the protagonists of the album. Is this like a, a concept record? Yes, this is a concept record. Uh, it's, it's a vampire concept record. Uh, all of the records we've done so far have been a uh, have been based around concepts, and often the our real life will drip and feed, and kind of the, the, the colors will blend into the the concept itself. So, and that's much the same with this one. Um, so this this record kind of sees the, the the protagonists of Spook and Mercy and their kind of relationship, and uh, and kind of charts their, their their relationship from the beginning of it until uh, they giving themselves to the sunlight at the end in uh, the song mm-hmm. More Than Death. Yeah. Okay. Fucking crazy. Yeah, because uh, while listening through it, I was like, I think this is a concept record, but I didn't know until the ballad came up and I was just listening to it. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is so <laughs> obviously like, and then I was able to follow it just kind of after listening to the ballad. I was able to follow and be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This is, oh, my God, no. And then they were like, done. I was, I was freaking out, but awesome. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what song off this album took longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? Oh, that's hard. Um, so the, the the one that took longest to write, I think, would be the first one, Further Than Forever, just mm-hmm. because it, 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 the the way a song like that kind of comes and, and the genesis of something like that, it comes from, uh, I, there was a, the, a piano part that I'd written a, a while ago and I've been working on. Every time you go into like a green room and there'll be a piano there, I'd be playing it working on it kind of been in the back of my head for ages and then i had a, this kind of bruce springsteen-esque kind of verse and uh, we had all these different parts really and um it basically resulted in um us kind of getting together and putting it uh, trying to trying to mold loads of pieces together and mm-hmm. as i said before so often those things don't really work on this occasion it was really great because tom who produced the record has a massive uh, love and understanding of very similar influences to us so the Jim Steinman records, that those massive long power balance, uh, mm-hmm. big uh, big penchant of his. So like the, you know your your meatloaves and your, uh, your Bonnie Tyler's and all those people. He was a yeah. big, big love of that overblown nonsense that I love so much, the musicals and things. So yeah. that was a really hard one. Um, my favorite song. It's very difficult because it, it changes, and I'm very attached to a lot of them on this one. Um, I really like this song Black Heaven, uh, on the, the second to last song, the penultimate mm-hmm. one on this record, just because it, uh, it kind of sees us doing things we had, we hadn't done in the past. So it's like lots of kind of, um, electronic elements and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, lo- lots of kind of, uh, and it has a really cool outro with Hannah, our keyboard player and I uh, singing to each back and forth to each other, um, as part of the, the, the story going into the ballad next. And it mm-hmm. was kind of a riffing on a Nick Cave song, Hallelujah, uh, Nick Cave and the, the Badson song uh, at the end. And uh, yeah, we've got to mash a lot of things together and try a lot of ideas mm-hmm. we've never done before. So I'd probably say that one. All right. Hell yeah. Good pick. Uh, so how'd the track of the three album come about? Did you guys write the opener be the opener, close be a closer? Did you shelf around and see what fits? What was that process like? So we used to, uh, when we used to write these concert records, we used to have, get a big whiteboard out and, and write like a blueprint of how the record should blow. So you'd have like a, uh, how, how, the, how, the, how they, like you structure it like a musical or like a, you were writing a book or something, like a story structure. Um, but it became very problematic that because uh, you'd end up trying, you could get stuck on a song that needed to bridge uh, one part to another and you could end up with this kind of rubbish on there. And it was really easy to do it because you were so desperate to try and complete this piece. This time around, uh, it was a lot simpler, a lot smoother. And on the, our last record, I think we wrote like kind of lots of songs, almost like 60 songs, where we better bin loads because they were, they were the best. But this new one, um, we did uh, we did all these ones, and there was two more. We didn't, didn't make it, but uh, 
the, the two that didn't make it this time around uh, could easily have made it if there was a um, if the, if the, the, the vinyl playlist would have been a bit longer because uh, <laughs> otherwise we're going to have to squeeze it under two pieces of vinyl which would have made it really expensive and I wanted the record to be able to be bought by anybody you know and I didn't yeah. want it to be exclusive to people who have money so we, we, we left two off but um, in terms of structuring it the first, the, the first one had to be that one really because when it introduces our character the character of Spook straight away and his descent into uh, becoming a vampire <laughs> and uh, it, and it's uh, it, where else do you put a nine-minute song, you know? Because in the middle of a record, it would be, you know, kind of um, laborious and uh, arduous to get through, I think. And yeah. at the end, you made, like, you, 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 I kind of felt like when you open with something like that, it kind of proves to the listener that the record could take some twists and turns and you're kind of in for a journey. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to kind of expect the unexpected. So, yeah, it was all very carefully considered, but uh, in a bit of a different way to how we have done in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those two extra songs that didn't make it to the record, were those like fully formed or were they just kind of demos? Oh, no, they're done. Um, we, we, we recorded them. One of them is called Phantom Fantasia and it's kind of a Leonard Cohen-esque kind of, um, sounds like uh, Dancing to the Age of Love, if you know that song. Uh, and it's, but Hannah sings it on her, on her own. It's a song we wrote for Hannah and, uh, and it's beautiful. It's really, really pretty. Um, yeah. But uh, it just, unfortunately, there was just no time at that moment. We, it was one of the last minute additions. And the other one is a song called Love and Pain, which kind of sounds like uh, like a Scott Walker. Uh, if Scott Walker was in Joy Division or something, <laughs> which is bizarre. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's really, really fun. Both of them are really great songs, but uh, sadly, there was just no, no time left. You know? Damn. So will they ever, ever see the light of day as like a, a B-side or anything? You know, I'm really hoping that um, the label will do a seven inch. I'd love to do a seven inch, but uh, Absolutely. just because I love physical formats and I think it's kind of uh, something, you know, and, and, and then when uh, when you stumble across, you go to a record store and you stumble across a seven inch, you take it home, that, that feeling's really nice, especially when it's something special and you haven't got it on the album. But, but I'm not sure, but I, but I, but I sure hope so. Manifesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at while you're creating this record? Um, well, I was back and forth from, I live in Manchester. Uh, so I was back and forth from Manchester and to where Tom lives. So, um, emotionally, we were probably in the most kind of, uh, the uh, most calmer points in, in, in our career, uh, today because we'd just come out of the pandemic on the last one and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the end of it. And this time around, the world had had a chance to kind of settle down a little bit. And it, I think it kind of, the conditions of, about writing this will be designed to a new record company. And uh, we had this great idea. We had this, this plan to make this record for a, a triptych of kind of um, concept records is the third one um, that all different have different concepts, but three different concept albums. Uh, we had this for a while. And so having a chance to do it, having a, a decent budget and having and doing it in the UK was really helpful because uh, doing the last one in Los Angeles was great, but it meant a lot of traveling and uh, a lot of time being away from home. There's a lot of a calmer experience. And I think that led to us kind of having a level head when it comes to writing um, and being able to sit behind a piano and just really kind of flesh things out. That was really helpful, you know. Um, and nothing, nothing terrible happened. On the last album, so much terrible things, so many things happened that were really tra- challenging. Um, yeah. So this time around, I think it's kind of made the record more cohesive as well because we're, uh, we were in a, a very positive, calm headspace. 
And uh, yeah, and I think it made the performances better too. I, I hope at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm so happy to hear that. Obviously, schedules permitting, is the plan to kind of like always write at home from this point forward? Now that you guys did the LA thing and and then did the home thing again, and obviously preferred that. I'm not sure. Uh, I think. I think we changed it up each time. So the last one was written in where we where we were from, uh, and it was uh, it was down to um, uh, down in Southampton, and um, uh, when like, like so, so it was, it was our, our original hometown. This one was somewhere different. I think it kind of keeps you on your toes and, and forces you to kind of go in a different direction when you, when you change things up. But mm-hmm. it's certainly very tempting to, to to continue this kind of healthy run we've been on if that makes any sense yeah but yeah. Uh, but uh, at the same time you wonder whether that's good for creativity or not you know because sometimes some of the best art is born from being uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. yeah god there's no winning <laughs> there's no winning damn it's true um so how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time could you in the car with friends and dark with headphones on is a workout album party album what do you personally recommend uh, Jim Simon used to tell this story about Jimmy Iovine, and uh, what would what would happen is uh, he would. Like, there's this whole story about he was mixing a record, and Jimmy was flicking, uh, panning a guitar left and right, and uh, Jim Simon walked in the room and said, "Why are you doing that? Who what, like no one's going to even notice that?" And he said, "Well, I do these little things in uh, on my records. They're these tiny little things, but in, in the hope that one kid in Connecticut listens to it underneath the, the bed covers with a discman on." And, he, and I do it all for him, this imaginary kid. So I think music's great that way. I think it's a very personal thing. Of course, it's wonderful when you're at a concert or, or, or you're, you're your friends. But I think to me, most music's a very personal thing. So I try to kind of adopt some of that um, ethos and kind of write for the kid that's like I was when I was younger. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed a lot of music when I was younger on my own in my, in my parents' house. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I try and write for a younger version of myself, I suppose, who might notice the nuances and things um, in between. So perhaps that would be my answer, I guess. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. Oh, um, bombastic, romantic, uh, and tragic. Damn, had those fucking locked and loaded. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so in that same train of thought, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album? I think uh, I would like them to be inquisitive and uh, to listen with an open mind. Uh, these are, uh, you know, the record takes, you guys have heard, like it takes kind of quite a lot of turns and, uh, mm-hmm. and stylistically and kind of uh, emotionally, uh, it, it chops and changes and, it's demanding of you. Uh, if you're looking for uh, this party songs, we just don't do this, just that, that sort of stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, not really our band, but like if you're looking to go on a journey, if you're looking to, you know, I always think about it like, uh, you know, uh, finding an old book in an attic or something and blowing the dust mm-hmm. off and then not knowing where it takes you. And I think that is the try. I'd, I'd like people to kind of approach it, uh, approach the record with a similar sort of curiosity and, uh, and hopefully with their own imagination and, and to kind of go on their own journey with it, you know. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. All right. So are you able to touch on any particularly challenging or standout moments from the creation of this album, positive or negative? Oh, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it's not been that um, challenging in, in terms, it's been challenging in terms of trying to, I guess, like working out how when some songs are, uh, 
uh, you know, like for example, something like the, the, the Ballad of Spook and Mercy, and you sandwich that up against, up against something that, uh, like Sacred Blasphemy, the song before, which is a, a fast kind of, um, like a, it's like a type of negative song or something. Um, it's challenging to try and fuse these things together to not make it sound jarring. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what we tried to do a lot of that is kind of um, with guitar tone and uh, and, and feel with, 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 the, with the drum kit and stuff, like to try and make it kind of a consistency across. So making this whole thing stick together, um, which sometimes it's, it's, it's easier easier said than done, you know? Uh, yeah. But uh, so, so that, that was very challenging in terms of that. But in terms of the practicality, it was, um, I suppose these are, these are harder songs for me to sing than they have been in the past. There are, there, there are lots of different kind of voices going on and different, doing different things with my voice um, and trying to get the temperament with that right, trying to mix something uh, that, that's uh, as long as further than forever without it becoming fatiguing, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and difficult. Um, and also like trying to, we were trying to shed a lot of the more contemporary influences that uh, we had on, on our last record. So that was another challenge too. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the jury's out on whether that's been a success or not. But, you know, that's not really for me to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say those things, really. Okay. And because you said that the vocals were a little more challenging on your end for this record, are you beginning to regret that now with kind of live performances and kind of having to do that live in front of thousands of people? Yeah, uh, I think yes and no. You know, uh, we just did Teenage Sacrifice and, and uh, for a video for that song. And I was uh, saying to our producer the other day, I said, oh, God, it's, it, I remember we, we were writing it in one key and I asked him to put the key up so I could sing it in that really high range and uh, some of the really high notes in that. And then I forget, uh, you just forget, oh, God, I'm going to do that every night now. Um, yeah. So yes and no, but like, it, but it's, 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 uh, it, yeah, it's, it, it's really fun to do on a record like, like when you're in the room of it and it sounds mm-hmm. great on a, on a record, but uh it's going to be interesting to see how much I can pull off. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be those long doors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so for this question, I want you to picture you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Oh, um, it depends where I am in the world, you know, like, because uh, I, ha- I have a plant-based diet. So uh, like over in, in Europe, it's just crackers because they don't have anything else. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have like loads. Like America has a lot of stuff, right? You know, and Canada has a lot of good stuff. Um, over here, what do I eat? Really, it's difficult, really, because uh, I guess I drink a lot of coffee on tour, but that's not a snack. It doesn't really count. I guess like a cup noodle or something like that. Okay. Something warm would be good for me. Um, especially like cup noodles, good because of my voice as well. Just having steam and hating steam. So something yeah. like that, perhaps. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right. So on the topic of food, if the band was a dish, what dish would the band be and why? Oh, God. Um, it would be a comfort. It would be, let me think about that. It would be like a lasagna or something, you know, uh, because it, there's lots of different layers to pull back from it. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, each time you kind of take a bite of it, you could get a different bit and you don't know where it's going. <laughs> So yeah, huh. some sort of sloppy, some sort of sloppy lasagna, I guess. Okay, I think that's <laughs> one of the first, lasagna. one of the first times a band has used like the lasagna analogy, and it's actually made sense. I just, I, I get it with your band. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <that> makes sense. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so for the last couple of questions, going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Oh, okay. Um, I would have, I think. I think I would have spaghetti. Uh, I love like Italian food in my house. Um, 
we, we have loads of it in all the time. It would be really boring. I'd have a really boring meal. It would be so boring. I'd just have spaghetti. I'd have chopped tomatoes. I'd have um, some vegetables. And for a drink, I would have, I'd have a glass of red wine, I think. I think I'd have, that's so fucking boring. I know, but that's probably what I'd have. <laughs> it's classic. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's comfort food. Yeah, so nice hearty fine. meal, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, last thing you want is like your stomach hurting because you went a little too, a little too crazy. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and if you're going to the other side, you know, you want to drink the blood of Christ. You know, like it's uh, you, you don't know who you're dealing with. You know? <laughs> Why the hell not, right? <laughs> uh, so I want you uh, to pick one fictional world to live in for one week. Okay, um, fictional world. Jeez, um, I would like to. Uh, that's hard. That one. I would like to live in the world of Twin Peaks, I think, for a week. Um, I think that would be a really, really fun place to live. Uh, I think, I don't, I'm not quite sure why, because it's a quite dangerous place. Uh, to, I, you know, I went to Twin Peaks once in Seattle, but they filmed okay. it. Have you ever been there? No. Like, they, they, they have the, 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 the waterfall, the hotel and stuff. We were playing down the road with Net Deep, okay. and, uh, and I came across. Uh, but yeah, I was probably go there. Um, I think the... That bizarre world uh, that David Lynch created would be kind of suitable for the the, the my um my temperament. I think that would be a good place to live. And plus, I could eat loads of uh, cherry pie. You know, it'd be great. Yeah. Exactly, it's awesome. All right. Hell yeah. Um. So I've gone to ask the last question. Every single person that we've spoken to have said that is the most important question. What's your favorite color? Oh, probably purple. I think purples are are the creeper color as well. So, <laughs> and I think that's why we chose it. You know. Uh, in professional wrestling, The Undertaker used to have uh, black and purple as his colors years and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of where we stole it from. Okay. Really? The Undertaker? <laughs> you guys big wrestling fans? Uh, I'm a big wrestling fan, yeah. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. That would have been crazy. You're like, no, not at all. I actually just thought it was cool. <laughs> Good to know. Exactly. Um, so as I said, that's all the questions you have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Oh, um, just the record. The record comes out on October, uh, Friday the 13th of October. Um, and yeah, like I, I would love people to check it out. If you're into any of those sorts of things we've been speaking about, I think you'll really get something from it. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for It's been Will from Creeper and we have been the Good Noise Podcast. <laughs>